Hey, C3 family, good morning. Um, I'm so glad that you're joining us. Are you ready to experience God, to have some fresh grace, to hear from Him, to worship Him, to praise Him, and discover His plans for you, um, and to know Him more intimately? Uh, let's enter into His presence and see what happens. In five, four, three, two, one. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm Chris. This is Derek. That's Zach. And that's Sean. We're in Zach's backyard again this week. And we encourage you guys to worship along with us. The splinter of our King is clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. And he wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. And how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. And age to age he stands. Time is in his hands. Beginning in the end. Beginning in the end, the Godhead three in one, the Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God! Sing with me, how great is our God! How great Thou art, how great Thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. 
Good morning, C3 family. This is our call to worship for today, found in Psalms 105, verses 1 through 8. Come offer thanks to the Eternal. Invoke His holy name. Tell other people about the things He has done. Sing songs of praise to Him. Tell stories of all His miracles. Revel in His holy name. May the hearts of the people who seek the eternal celebrate and experience great joy. Seek the eternal and his power. Look to his face constantly. Remember the wonderful things he has done, his miracles and the wise decisions he has made. O children of Abraham, his servant. O children of Jacob, his chosen people. He is the eternal our true God. His justice extends to every corner of the earth. He keeps his covenant promises forever and remembers the word he spoke to a thousand generations. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will forever be in my mouth. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Thank you for the gift of today, this day called November 8th, 2020, a day that we haven't seen before, nor will we see again. God, there is no other God like you, a God of justice, of unfailing love, who stands by every promise that you have made to your people, generation after generation. There is no other. You alone are God. We pray, O oh God, that your spirit will guide and inspire our worship today and that our mouths will sing and speak your praise. Open our ears to hear your word and our eyes to see you at work among us. Open our hearts to receive your love as we offer ourselves to you. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, we pray. In the cracks, be the one that's been in the camel's back, slow to anger, quick to laugh, be more hard 
endless attack Be the wheels, not the track Be the wonder that's coming back Leave the past right where it's at Be more hard and less attack you have cause it's you in the mirror staring back quick to let go and slow to react be more hard and less attack ever growing steadfast and if need be the one that's in the gap be the never turning back twice the heart any man could have past right where it's at be more hard and less attack be more hard and less attack be more hard and less attack good morning uh, C3 family, welcome to our sur our Sunday morning service. Welcome. We're happy Good that morning. you could be with us. And Thanks, join guys. Us. That was great music. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Wonderful, wonderful. Bless you. Um, this morning, I want to start off by letting you know something about my wife that I'll bet you don't know. Uh-oh. And that is that my I'm married to a lady who, for 40 years, who... Uh, has an incredibly big crush on Bobby Flay oh, and yeah. Ina Gar uh, Garten. Garten. Ina Garten. Garten. She has a big crush on both of them, Bobby I Flay like and uh, Ina Garten. Uh, she loves watching them both on TV, and therefore we watch them on TV around our house quite a bit. And they're both experts, obviously expert chefs. Bobby's taught you a few things about cooking a steak. And in the process of you watching them and me watching them with you, I've learned a lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they are both fabulous at creating uh, wonderful meals. Uh, they're, uh, while they both can create incredible meals, they're very different. Oh, yeah. Uh, on, on almost every oh, yeah, level, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. very different. Bobby Flay, if this is my observation, uh, is is more of an expert with spices. Right. He, he has this unique ability right. to 
choose all of these, this wide range of spices and combine them all and make these unforgettable, exciting, memorable meals. That, Is that, that fair? I think that's very fair. Uh, Everybody where, tries to beat him. Nobody can beat yeah, him. Yeah, very few people can beat him. Uh, whereas Ina Garten, uh, she, it's not her cooking, although I know she cooks incredible meals. When I've watched her with you, it's not her cooking that stands out to me. It's her persona. She is a person yeah. of dignity yeah. and elegance and peace yeah. and grace. When it's I the think whole thing, the table, the presentation, the, yes, the, the, the table, the just the, the environment of the meal. Yeah. Uh, and what I've taken away from watching them with you over the years is that to have a great meal, a truly great meal, you need both. You want a meal that is that when I say spicy, it stands out. It it it's something that you don't forget. Yeah. Uh, it's exciting. It it does something to your mouth. But at the same time, you also want a meal where people feel comfortable, uh, where people feel safe. And so, you, to have a great meal, you you want to avoid food that would be dull and bland and boring. But at the same time, you also want to avoid a meal where people feel unsafe or uncomfortable or undignified or undignified. Perhaps. That's exactly right. Perhaps. Perhaps. Thank you. Uh, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, really from the beginning to the end, uh, in, the, in, that, in those cultures, in that time, the family meal and the family table were incredibly significant. Uh, I would suggest that for a, a, an average family in the Old Testament or the New Testament times, um, nothing... Uh, was given more emphasis and more attention and more value than the family meal, the family table. Uh, you see this running throughout the Bible. Uh, you see it with Abraham when uh, those three guests came, or those three men traveled by his home, and he, Abraham recognized that they were unique, special guests, and he runs out and he wants to honor them and bless them. What does he do? He creates a meal for right. them. Right. Uh, David, out of his love for Jonathan, his best friend, he uh, uh, wants to show blessing and honor and love to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. And how does he do that? He uh, it says, I want you to eat at my table. Yep. I want you to be a part of my, the, my family meal. And you can jump all the way to the New Testament and how many of Jesus' parables include something about a meal, a banquet, a Bread. party, a feast. Um, there's all there's so many of the of his parables, the backdrop of the of the very story is a meal, a family table, a gathering. Um, you see it in Jesus' relationship with his favorite and closest relationships. Um, uh, by example, uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. When you see them interacting, when you see Jesus relating to his closest friends, it is quite often in the context of a table, of a meal, uh, the Lord's Supper. Yeah, um, the Last when, Supper. The, the Last Supper, thank you. The Last Supper, when, when Jesus wanted to convey to his disciples both then and throughout time something of utmost importance the backdrop, the setting that he uses to convey this information, this importance, is a meal, yeah. a supper, a, a table. 
Um, I don't want you to miss this. I came for lots of reasons, miracles, teaching truth, blessing people, helping people. On, But at the end of the day, I came to be a sacrifice for the sins of the world. I don't want you to miss that. And he, he creates this, this picture via a meal to do that. And then ultimately, the, the, uh, uh, the example of when God returns and sets up his kingdom yeah. and makes everything right yep. and heaven now is on the earth and everything's as it should be, what is the backdrop? What's the, the picture that God uses from the beginning to the end of the scriptures to convey that which is going to be eternal and perfect a marriage a feast, yeah. a banquet. Yeah. And, and I could go on and on and on with examples, Shirley. Um, throughout the Bible, a meal, a family meal, a, a, a family table was always used to show favor, honor, blessing. Uh, it was supposed to be, it was used to be a place of refuge, refreshment, restoration. Uh, uh, the table, it was the means through which people would establish friendships and maintain friendships. It was the means through which people established covenant relationships and maintained those covenant relationships. Um, my point simply is that in the Bible, from a biblical perspective, the family meal, the family table, the place that people gathered to eat was incredibly important. Um, and Thinking about that, uh, why don't you read for us uh, this story out of Mark chapter 14. I think it's the first nine verses. Read that, please. Okay, so Mark 14. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread. The, leader, the leading priests and teachers of the religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon. It's a familiar story. A man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She opened the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. They scolded her harshly. But Jesus Mm. replied, Leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a thing to me? You always, you will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, whatever the, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. Thank you. Yep. Um, the background of this story is that uh, in just a, a few days, Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to be tried. He's going to be found guilty and condemned and taken to Golgotha and now do a tree where he's going to die and be placed in a tomb for yeah. three days yeah. and then rise again. Um, and right before all of that happens, a friend of Jesus is actually a very grateful friend of Jesus is throws him a party, throws this big party in Jesus' honor, invites Jesus and the disciples and Jesus' friends, and they're gathered around this big table in this man's uh, uh, home. 
And uh, right in the, uh, I think it's important for us to remember what's going on in the life of Jesus right now. Jesus has got the weight of the world on his shoulders. He knows that in just a few days he's going to die. He has got these massive crowds demanding every second of his time. Um, He's got uh, all this conflict with the religious and political leaders of his day. All these arguments and fights going on. Um, There's all these uh, plots to kill him going on. He's got... Um, he knows that he only has a, a, just a very short time before he will no longer have an opportunity to train the disciples anymore. Yeah. And so he's pouring all this training and teaching uh, and discipling into the lives. And they're not of, getting it. And much. they're not, that's they're exactly not really right. Getting it, it doesn't seem like it's, it's yeah. sinking in. Yeah. And then not to mention, uh, internally, Jesus is very aware that uh, he's about to die. He's about to bear the sins of the world, uh, and and I would I would it, it's reasonable to believe that um, his heart is heavy, hmm. his his mind is 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 weary. I mean, he he is burdened, and I'm sure the people that were around him could see it, could feel it uh, in his countenance and on his face. And um, uh, so Jesus is at this party, and there's a lady. Uh, in this story, we don't know her name, uh, but she comes uninvited. She just busts right into the party and walks right up to behind Jesus, who's sitting at the table, and takes a very, according to Scripture, a very expensive uh, bottle of perfume and uh, pours it over Jesus' head. And Jesus makes a statement. He says, she did this to prepare my body for burial. And what that communicates is she understood what most of the people there at the party, if anyone else, understood. Now, whether she got it through special revelation from God or whether she got it because she had been listening carefully to what Jesus had been saying, because Jesus had said a number of times, I'm going to die. But most people couldn't hear that. Well, she heard it. And out of a love for Jesus, out of a desire to encourage him, out of a desire to communicate to him, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you. I believe in what you're doing. I'm grateful for what you're doing. Just out of a desire to be a blessing to him, she comes in and and expresses that love and that desire to encourage him by pouring this perfume over the head of Jesus. And what I find significant, and I think what I believe Mark wants us to see here, is the contrast in this lady and her awareness of what's going on in the life of Jesus, the burden, the pain, the anguish, the weight of of all that Jesus is dealing with, and how oblivious those closest to Jesus, actually it's the 12 disciples, they're oblivious to what's going on, and they're oblivious to the need in Jesus' life right now. They're oblivious to what this lady sees that they don't see. And rather than focusing on Jesus, they focus on the lady and how they disagree with what the lady is doing. They miss the significance of what's going on. And what the, while the lady is bringing blessing and encouragement and love and faith to this table... 
The disciples are bringing complaining and arguing and judging and criticizing to the table. And they're saying it, aren't they? Am I wrong? They're saying it right in front of her. Right in front of her and right in front of the one that is the recipient of this grace and this blessing. They shouldn't I mean, do that. You know, they should, what, Jesus, why aren't you rebuking yeah. her? You know, yeah. they're rebuking her and they're rebuking him, actually. It's, it, and, it's tra- and I think Mark would want us to see this as a true tragedy. Um, the holidays, at least in this part of the world, are a time when we gather around the table. Uh, we all have memories of previous holiday meals, from our past, um, for some of us, those meals are filled with joy and laughter and intimacy. For others of us, those meals are more tense, uh, filled with anger and criticism and gossip and griping. Um, my, my, you, you know, this holiday season, we're going to have uh, a lot to talk about around the table, won't we? Do you think? <laughs> the, uh, the election... Um, congratulations to those of you that are happy, uh, condolences to those of you that are sad, but we'll, you know, obviously we're going to talk about the election, we're going to talk about COVID, we're going to talk about all the social unrest in our nation, and we're going to talk about the impact of the last 10, 11 months on our families and on our relationships. There's much to discuss this holiday season around the table. And my question is, how are we going to impact when we come to the table filled, filled with family and friends? How are we going to impact those that are gathered there? Are we going to be more like the lady who brings to the table love and joy and faith and hope and encouragement? Or are we going to be more like the disciples and bring criticism uh, and negativism um, uh, fear and controversy and agendas. Are we going to make the tables that we gather around for the holidays uh, places of refuge, places of healing, places of love? Or are they going to be more car places of car wreckage and war zones? I mean, God gave us these meals to be places of life, of healing, of love and encouragement. Um, they can also be places of death and places where people are wounded. You know, that is funny. Um, Just this morning I was reading, I told you this, I was reading in Luke 6, and it's the Beatitudes, and that's a great chapter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's like everything in the whole Bible's right there in this one chapter. Well, anyway, at the end in Luke 6, he talks about that. I've always loved this image where if you've got a log in your eye, it's a great metaphor, so you've got this log in your eye, and your neighbor has a speck in his eye, take the log out of your own eye before you, you know, look at the speck in the other eye. And I've heard that. I've taught that. But for the very first time, if it, has this ever happened to you where you read something and it says something different to you? I looked at that today, and I thought, you know what? If I could manage to take the log out of my own eye and, and, and see my own um, need or weakness and, and or, negativity or whatever, right, yeah, right then perhaps what I would see in my neighbor's eye is just a speck. Yes. Do you see? Rather yes. than, you got a speck, but, oh, compared to, that's just a speck. It's just and a if speck. I can see it, it's just a speck. Maybe it's not even it's worth. Not, that's right. Why even bring it up? Why even bring it up? If it's just, it's a, just speck, a speck. Yeah. Why, yes, exactly see, right. That's, yeah. a, that's a great word. Thank you. Um, God gives us these meals, and I believe this. We see it through the Scripture, and I believe nothing's changed. 
He gives us these meals to be places of healing and life and a place where that unifies us and draws us together, but it can also have the opposite effect. I found this verse in the uh, in Matthew 5 that I've, I'm reading through the Bible this year in a new translation called The Voice. And this is what how they translated this verse out of Matthew 5 where Jesus is speaking. He said, God created you to be seasoning that brings out life's God flavors. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste the life of God? Don't ignore this and waste your life. Let me read that again. Yeah, that's good. God created you to be seasoning that brings out life's God flavors. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste the life of God? Mm, I love that. Um, People are going to come to our tables. Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for New Year's. They're going to come to our tables, uh, family, friends, uh, and they're going to be desperate to taste God's life, to taste God's grace, to taste God's love. And yeah, so the, it's, been a, it's been a bit of a hard year. Yes. And the question is <laughs> going to be, not are they going to come wanting to taste that. The question is, will they be able to? And I was just thinking in Psalm 34, where David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It just made me think, I wonder if when people come to our tables during the holidays, especially, looking to taste the life and the love and the grace of God. Wanting it. Wanting it. They might not even know they need it, but they want it. They need it. Will they be able to taste that, that, that goodness of God in my words, in my face, in my countenance, in my way of relating to them, or will they not be able to? And just, uh, I just, you know, I want to just say this to all of us, but especially to those of us that are parents of adult children. Just thinking that. When our adult children are going to come to our, maybe they've been out of town for months or years, and they're going to come to our tables to spend time with us, I just wonder how they're adults. They don't have to do this. Yeah, they don't have to come. They don't have to come. But they come. And how are we going to make them feel? How are we going to, what are they going to hear and see and receive from us? And just very quickly, I want to give you two challenges on how we can make these family gatherings, these family mealtimes around the table better. More spicy in honor of Bobby Flay. More full of grace in honor of Ina Garten. Um, and I just how can you make the mealtime more spicy? And I want to give you an example or a suggestion on how to do that. Um, rather than, as so often the case, when mealtime becomes a place where we focus on the lives of the others around the table, especially those that we don't agree with. What if instead we spent that same time and energy being transparent, being vulnerable, being honest about what's going on in our own lives, Uh, our own feelings, our own regrets, our own flaws, our own fears and hopes. What if rather than uh, 
focusing on the problems and the failures and the disappointments of those around the table, we were more transparent about the problems and fears and disappointments in our own lives. The log in our own eyes. That's exactly right. Conversations without vulnerability, without honesty, without transparency, they're boring. They're forgettable. They're distasteful. They're off-putting. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, speak the truth in love. Now, we normally think of that in the context of, oh, I'm going to tell you something about you, and I need to do it in a loving manner. But what if Paul was saying, speak the truth about yourself? in Because he says, speak the truth in love, and you'll grow. Maybe in another translation, it says, and you'll be healed. Well, that's in James chapter 5. Oh, it sorry, says, confess. Sorry, yeah, yeah. You don't be misquoting the Bible. <laughs> uh, if you, in James 5, it says, confess it. your faults one to another, and you'll experience healing. Yeah. Yes, what yes. if we were more transparent about the struggles and the failures and the fears in our own lives? Could that lead to growth? and healing in our relationships. And I would just declare... That's a great point. That, of course it is. Um, uh, I would just declare that the table, by God's design, was never designed to be a place where we try to improve or change people or where we try to win arguments. Rather, it ought to be a place where we create connection and refreshment and restoration. The other... Uh, suggestion I would make is that we try to not only make the table a place of spice that's unforgettable, that's exciting by being more transparent, but also a place of grace, a place where, and how do you do that? Well, there's many ways that we can show grace to those around us, but one way in, in for certain is we could take the time to communicate around the table to those that we're with ways are, 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 well, just I would say ways that we find them delightful. Um, way, reasons that we are grateful for, their, for them in our lives. Reasons that they, for them making us joyful. Everybody loves to hear that they make me happy. Mm-hmm. They, they make me feel delight. I'm grateful for these questions. Find ways to communicate. I'm grateful for you for this reason. You fill me with joy for this reason. Um, Colossians chapter 4 says, Let your words be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you can experience God's wisdom. Proverbs 16 says, Gracious words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And Ephesians 4 says, let no corrupt words come out of your mouth, but only what builds people up and is fitting for the occasion that it may give grace to those who are listening. I just, I know this is a little early. We're not actually in the holidays yet, but we're, they're coming quick. And you and I are going to start planning and preparing for these gatherings, these feasts uh, around the table with those that we love, are we going to come to the table like this lady in the story you read with encouragement and grace? And Jesus said that wherever the gospel is preached, she would be remembered. She would be, her actions at the table were memorable. People for 2,000 years remember her actions. 
And, they, and those actions are remembered because they were actions of grace. Yeah. Are we going to come to the table like that lady? Are we going to come to the table like those that were closest to Jesus, that knew Jesus best, and yet they're, what they brought to the table was complaining and negativism and arguing and judging and backbiting. Um, I don't want to be like them. I want to be like that lady. I want our meals this holiday season to be like that. And I want that for the people, the families in our church as well. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper real quick before we leave. And so I found a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul says that God has reconciled us to himself through Christ and he has entrusted to us this ministry of reconciliation. Um, Jesus tells us to take bread and wine or juice which symbolize his body and his blood, and to eat and drink to declare our faith that Jesus' death does reconcile us to God. Yeah. And I believe it's also uh, right and good to also eat and drink and just to be challenged to remember that God has given us this ministry of reconciliation and oh, that we would use the holiday tables, these gatherings, as a tool, as a means of of reconciliation for in our relationship with those that we love the most. Let's eat. Thank you guys for joining us this morning. We hope that the message, the lesson, and the music have been a blessing to you. We hope that you have a wonderful week. Come back and be with us again next week. God bless you.
to all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you lord and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great Thanks again for joining us. We are Christ Community Church. Y'all come on back next week. We'll be here at Facebook Live and YouTube Live at 1015. Y'all have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.